Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. Thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Huggins and Scott, Heritage Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. Episode with Brian Perrup. Uh, I noticed him on TikTok. Not that I'm on TikTok all the time, but then I noticed him on some other things and uh, had an enjoyable conversation. I promised him some dueling questions as well later, but this was just to get acquainted and we had a few things in common. He's really enjoying the hobby and he does it his way. Again, very entrepreneurial. I hope you'll enjoy it as I did. So thanks, Brian, for sharing your story. And uh, here it is. I've fallen in love with TikTok. It's such a great way to communicate to a large amount of people very quickly. And it's amazing because after a while of people watching, actually, I've developed a lot of friendships with people on TikTok. And a lot of people now feel that they actually really know me very well. I've had people send me pictures of their family at Christmas, their new kid when their kid's born. I've gotten numerous gifts that have been mailed to me. You're able to interact in this very personal way. In my opinion, TikTok's really the way of the future. It's like a one-way FaceTime or something. You feel like you're a family member, except you're a family member who is very comfortable in front of the camera. (laughs) Exactly. And my family would say Brian is very comfortable in front of the camera. Funny enough, I've been filming little short clips of myself over the last 20 years. And I've got a library of about 10,000 video clips that I've taken starting in 2003. Everywhere I go, I film. And so to my friends and family, I'm just doing what I've always done. It's just for the first time I'm actually posting them. One of my theories is because I'm looking at some of the things you've done and you're just so comfortable and enjoy being in front of the camera that you don't have to be making sensational claims or prognosticating or being controversial. Set people to say, hey, I want to follow this guy. I feel good. I'm enjoying the content and he keeps it moving and all that. So Uh, at the end of the day, I'm just having fun. I didn't start all the TikTok because I was trying to actually do something with it. It was literally a friend of mine filmed me. And then the very next morning, we had 37,000 views of that first little video clip. I just got out of bed. I hadn't taken a shower. And he's like, hey, talk about one of your favorite cards. And I talked about it. He's I'm going to post this on TikTok. He did. And boom, the next morning, 37,000 people. And so we just kept on, I was just going to do it once. It kept on going. My friend, Sam, the guy that films me every day, we'll have a conversation and then we'll just flip right into the video. And it's just me, my most natural. I don't have to put on a show, not putting on an act. I'm not changing into a character. And that's what I love about it. Is TikTok at the center? Is that the primary platform? Because you're doing an awful lot of things and (laughs) you can release on the various platforms. What's your business model? Uh, or is this a side gig for you? Just g- give us a little background. You've done other things. Are you still doing other things? Or is TikTok at the center of what you're doing right now? Yeah, TikTok's actually just a hobby, actually. I haven't made a dollar from this. I don't ant- anticipate doing that. I'm just literally saying what I want when I want. I don't have an ulterior motive with it. I've just been having a lot of fun with it. Okay. Uh, my primary business is actually... I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I was in the music business for the first 10 years of my career. I actually played in a rock band and produced music, and I put bands on tour for Disney. I helped a concert tour manage Hannah Montana, High School Musical, Jonas Brothers. I put them on their first tours. Then uh, everything changed for me when I turned 30. I quit music business. I went to Cambridge Business School in England, started all over, and got into television media and started filming television shows and content for the Chinese market. 
So I started filming road trip shows and helping bridge cultural differences between China and the United States starting about 10 years ago. And I ended up signing the first ever contract for Western productions to be distributed in China. Our first channel had a distribution of like 400 million people had access to their channel. And so we were making content to try to bridge the cultures and help two countries that don't understand each other at all, help them better understand each other. So I ended up living in China for a while, lived in India for a while. Always with a focus, though, on entertainment and television. So I've seen the music business, the television business. And strangely enough, I also have a health and wellness company that I've been running for the last couple of years. I also have a veterinarian business that I have in England. And then I do have a sports card business that I started about a year and a half ago, which is my little top secret super business, which is my pet project. And it's something that I've been working on for the last 12 years. I've always been frustrated with a lot of the display and protection of cards, the options out there. And so I hired a big team of mechanical engineers and industrial designers in San Francisco, best in the industry, and brought a lot of people together through a bunch of money into this project. And uh, we have all of our final prototypes. They're very cool. Everything that we're building, it's a whole product line about just amplifying kind of the beauty of collections. A lot of technologies going into it. And it's, it I have kind of, I'm sorry. Protection or display? Both. Both. So my primary job right now is I manage the different companies and I still have my China television kind of business. And But I keep arm's length at everything. But I have so much fun doing the card stuff as far as the industrial engineer and mechanical engineering that I spend most of my time working on that. And we're going to be sharing a lot more over the next few months. I think it's something entirely out of left field that the hobby's never seen before. Just something that's been bothering me for 12 years. And so I did something about it this year. And we're going to release our product line most likely in the fall. This is my invention, my virtual display. There you go. That's beautiful. I didn't see anything I liked. And so I created something. There you go. With I'm the doing help this. That, uh, a friend of a friend who fabricated it. We always hear about serial entrepreneurs, but you're a parallel serial entrepreneur. You're going from thing to thing, but you're spinning lots of plates at the same time. If I were a serial entrepreneur, I'd do one, sell it, move on, do another one, sell it, move on. But I'm not even that really. I'm not Johnny OneNote, but I found something I really loved and had a company for a while. Can you believe it? It's been 17 and a half years since I I sold my company. And there's people in the hobby in the industry that are younger than that. They have no idea that I am a person. (laughs) No, you've been a mystery my entire life. That's one of the reasons I really was excited to talk to you is that you've been a uh, inspiration to me. Like if you'd asked me when I first got back into the hobby about 12 years ago, who were the people in the hobby? The only name that I know is Beckett. I read your magazines as a kid. In fact, it was my first stock ticker. I've got an MBA. I've done all my business kind of stuff. And for me, tracking the prices via your price guide. In fact, this is funny, your hot and cold list on your magazines, those actually have impacted my business because every time that I either I'm raising capital or I've got new partnerships coming on board or even hiring new people, I make a hot and a cold list. And I kind of circle that around my company to say, here's our hot list of all of our potential new clients or customers or investors. And we rank them based on whether they're good or not. And that is a direct steal from you. And so you've actually had an impact in my companies without uh, so- doing it. <laughs> royalty free, Brian. <laughs> fair use. Fair use. Fair no, use. No worries there. But I don't know that you're a born entrepreneur, but you can get that vibe really early on in your family of origin sometimes. And it's acceptable. And I'm unusual. I'm really pretty risk averse. I'm very calculating, very analytical. And so I'm not that prone to getting way out there. On the other hand, I had a successful entrepreneurial venture and I loved it. It's because I think I really tried to minimize the risk. 
And that's what people don't think about. They just think, hey, this thing is just going to, it's going to work, all that stuff. And most things don't work or they don't continue to work. I think I was patient. As you said, I hired fabulous people. That's really the secret. So I loved going to work with who I was working with. But what, then it came a time where I thought it's time for me to find somebody else that's going to run this. I've really enjoyed being a re- retired, but all I do now is a pro bono consulting, mainly nice. for entrepreneurs and individuals. It's friends and friends of friends. I never run out of clients. You'll never be able to retire. If you're I'll, not, I'll never you're retire really- because, and what from your entrepreneurial ventures is that you can't just say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and you have one engineering expertise or something. No, you've got to really understand how businesses work. And you've got to understand a broad range of things to have something that you're going to sink your heart and soul and capital into. Yeah, uh, that, that was- that's my other love, man, is the entrepreneurial stuff. Is yeah. You asked about how I spend multiple plates at the same time. The way I do it is I hire really good people and then I get them to manage the various entities. Most of the people I work with, I've worked with for over 10 years. I've established a long history of trust. I've trained people to get them where I want them to be and where I think they're capable of it. And I also allow them to pursue their own aptitudes. And every business I currently have is being run by somebody that's better at it than I am. And so I try to find talent in unusual places. When I come across unusual talent, I bring them in, I motivate them, and then I let them do their thing. And if you have that level of trust with people, then it just works. Don't get me wrong. I've had some serious failures, particularly in my kind of late 20s. But I started as an entrepreneur when I was 10. I I had my first company. Uh, My brother and I spray painted house numbers on curbs in the neighborhood. And it allowed us to pay for a cross-country road trip where we went from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine and back over 30 days on a Greyhound bus. And we were able to finance the entire trip and all the baseball cards I was buying at the time, with spray painting numbers on curbs. And so I think entrepreneurship is in the blood, but the biggest lesson I've ever learned is so surround yourself by people that are better than you in every category and allow them to uh, to do their best. And you will fail. Entrepreneurship is a story of failure nine times out of 10, but it's such a rewarding life as you have shown us. I have a slightly different philosophy. I wasn't trying to find people who are better than me because I don't think people are better than other people meaningful way other than they're better at something. There and we I, go. I that's, that's a better way of saying at it. some things. And so when you're trusting somebody, you can easily trust them for something that they're better at than you are if they also right. have the integrity as well. <laughs> but it, right. if you put somebody into their area of incompetence, look out. So it's part of the problem. Well, but again, I, I, I tend to be a, a big thinker. So I, I have to hire people that are like really good at financial analysis or operations. I'm terrible at operations and financial analysis. And I try to bring in people that have those skill sets that also have integrity. And I try to keep the vision going on all fronts while surrounding myself by those people that have those skill sets that are experienced. And then sometimes I bring in people that are new, but they have the integrity, they have the hard work and work ethic. And that's, I'd rather have somebody that's a hard worker than somebody that just sits there, does nothing, that's just a smart person. But you're still probably your own chief marketing officer and your own chief ideation officer, I would imagine. Yeah, that's true. uh, Those ones I usually retain because that's where I love. That's where I flourish. Okay, so yeah. when you're going around to these card stores, you're on your trek. Apparently, you love these transcontinental kind of stay on the move, Brian. You're about opening packs. Uh, is it more about opening packs and, and connecting with your youth, or are you trying to complete sets, or you have a PC that you're looking for? It sounds like you really bring a lot of joy to everything I've seen. 
but it, it seems like based on opening a pack and using that to engage into the depth of the hobby. This has been a very solitary hobby for me. I only actually really told a lot of my friends just this last year. For me, it was a very personal, like when I was doing the, the television show stuff, I was constantly traveling around the United States, different states, and I'd pop into card shops all the time. I'd probably been to a couple hundred card shops and I would always go in and I used going into card shops as a way to understand a local culture. So if I'm in Oklahoma City for two days, I'm going to go to the local card shop and now I've got a buddy I can talk to. So for me, I've used it as a way to connect to local cultures across the United States. And I'm an army brat. So that for me is a very natural thing to do. You know, I lived in Japan when I was three. Hey. My dad was an officer in the Navy. And my dad also went to Cornell. So oh, wow. Get some so different- we got some real ties. Big yeah, I, was, uh, I spent my childhood in Okinawa, Japan, where my dad was a Marine Corps officer. And so that's, and then Cornell and uh, now baseball cards. We share a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if there's an imprint there from living overseas and then yeah. trying to be able to then re-engage the culture. And we moved yeah. when my dad was uh, corporate promotions and military and stuff like that. And so you've got to get some sense of where you are. In America, America's of 50 states and lots of different neighborhoods. And every neighborhood I moved into when I was a little kid had baseball cards. So it was a great socializing thing. And I'm, Brian, I'm not going to rain on your parade because keep up what you're doing. But I've been to more than 200 card shops myself over the years. Oh. I loved it. And every one of those, it's just, it's I inspired. a personality. I aspire to have a lot of your card knowledge. You are my ambassador of knowledge in the card space. I aspire to be at your level someday. But for me, it's like when I go to a card shop, like I'll open packs. A lot of that is for the audience because people like to see cards being open. But what I do is for me, my personal collection is I'm trying to collect every Hall of Fame player from 1887 to 1990 or to pretty much present day. I've primarily collected up to 1993. And that's when I left the hobby for about 10 years. And I love collecting sets. Sounds like your baseball. I'm hearing mainly baseball. Primarily baseball and basketball, though baseball definitely is number one for me. Basketball is a close second. I'm a huge set builder. So if I open two or three packs, I'm going to have to collect that set. And then I'll usually give away this set. I actually don't have that many cards that I personally own. I have about three binders that kind of contain my core collection. And that's kind of it. And part of that is also the military brat style is that I'm so used to having to be nimble and travel quickly that I don't have a ton of Take it with you. (laughs) Can't take it with you. I'm a bit famous for leaving cards with random people or like coming across people in my travels and I'll just go hand them a set of cards that I just put together. And I enjoyed the putting together of the set, but I don't necessarily need to own that set. The man. 